Hey, I'm Steve Fall, and thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that puts you in control of your freelancer finances. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash beingfreelance. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for Facebook ads consultant Moitza Jove. I work how I want to, and I want to have my freedom, freedom to choose when I work and how much I work, and I actually do that. I wanted to build my business that way. Conferences are great for building your authority, and that's how I got my first international contact, and that's how I got my first international clients. I never imagined myself on a stage in the United States talking about Facebook. Yes, so there is Moitza from Slovenia. Yeah, being added to the stockpile of awesome freelance guests that I've spoken to. If you've not heard them all, they're right there, nearly 150 at beingfreelance.com or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe, tell people about it. And if you love it, please do leave a a review as well where you get your podcasts to boot. Let me know if you do. It's always nice. On Twitter, we are at being freelance. And on Instagram, you can join me. I'm S Folland, F-O-L-L-A-N-D. Yeah, that's me. Uh, I also, of course, do the vlog where I document my own freelance stories. So you can find me on YouTube, but there's a link at beingfreelance.com. Do check out uh, the videos and the articles and more. And yeah, feel free to drop me a line as well. Always good to hear from you. But right now, let's hear from Moitza. This week's guest over in Slovenia, Facebook ads consultant Moitza Jove. Hey, Moitza. Hey there. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for being on. So I'm really looking forward to this. You're the first Facebook ads consultant. So how you've ended up in that niche in particular, I'm sure we'll come to. But yeah, let's let's get started hearing how you got started being freelance. So it's an interesting story because first of all, I'm a college dropout. I never finished college because it was boring, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) I was just fed up with school at that point. So I went to work for an advertising agency. And that advertising agency was a very traditional one. So they did radio ads and TV ads and newspaper ads. But we never, we did websites, but never anything advertising or marketing related in a digital world. So what happened is I started to really push for Facebook. Facebook pages uh, were introduced back then and Facebook advertising was just starting. And I really pushed for that. I really wanted us to um, start doing that. All that all of our clients were actually begging us to do that, but they just they just weren't interested in that. So our philosophy started to drift apart and we argued a lot. So I got fired from my job. (laughs) Very typical. Um, But yeah, what I did is I went home, uh, poured myself a glass of wine, thought it through and I decided, you know what? I really hated the nine to five. I hated my job. Um, So I decided to just, you know, establish my own business and go freelancing and just see what I can do. And that's how I got started. <laughs> Whoa. So uh, to put this in perspective, when was that? And like, how long were you at that company? Um, so I was at that company, I think for a year and a half. And that was maybe five, six years ago. 
So yeah, about that time, I think. Yeah. So how did you go about finding those first clients? Because, you know, it's all well and good to say, right, so I decided to go freelance. But how did you how did you get that first bit of work coming in? Yeah, it was quite hard because you cannot exactly take the clients from the agency and go to them and say, you know what, I'm going freelance now. Do you want to work with me? Um, so I couldn't do that. And I basically started from scratch. The experience I had was just working for the ad agency and that was it. So what I did, I, I wanted to do f- not exactly Facebook ads, but social media marketing at that time. So now I niche down to Facebook ads, but previously I did like basic and general, um, general social media strategies. So, um, I wanted to work with companies who had Facebook pages, but didn't know exactly what to do and what kind of content to create. So what I did is um, I just went on my <laughs> Facebook newsfeed and saw uh, and observed what was happening. And some of the companies really popped out. Uh, and by popped out, I mean the content was really bad and they weren't getting any <laughs> engagement. And we were, ta- I, I mean, we're talking about quite big companies at that point. So what I did is I just created a list of 100 of them and I did my research and research for their emails, for their phone number. And what I did is I just cold emailed them. And when I didn't hear back, I called them. So it was a combination of cold emails and cold calls. And that's how I got my, I think, first two or three clients. Um, So cold emails cold calls, uh, really just, you know, hard work, to be honest. Yeah. And how, and how long did it take to, to, to pay off? Oh, it was actually quite fast because I set myself a deadline. I think I cannot remember the month. I think it was around June where, when I lost my job and I said to myself, if I cannot get off the ground by August and, you know, kind of substitute the, um, the money with, you know, freelancing, um, I'm just going to find a regular job. So I had a deadline and in, by August, I already had, uh, I think, I think it was like three clients and they already brought in the money that I previously gotten through working with, with that agency. And obviously you're in Slovenia. So were these companies who were local to you that you started out with or did you spread the net wide oh i i always wanted to work with international clients but i sort of knew my limitations and i knew that international clients will probably be hard to get especially if you don't have experience in freelancing and in client work so i decided to start with local clients but always knew that i'm going to work with international companies in a few years so all of my strategies were kind of oriented in that way which means that whenever i wrote a blog post i wrote it in english all of my Twitter profiles, my Facebook page, everything was run in English. Uh, but I had Slovenian uh, Slovenian clients when I started out. But like I said, the, the foundation that I set was always aimed towards international clients. And at that point with those first clients, you know, you said it wasn't just Facebook ads. It was more, more general than that. Were you creating content for them? Were you managing their social media accounts or were you 
teaching them you know like what was your sort of business at that point so I wanted to create content I always loved doing that because I I kind of came from that world too I was a copywriter at the advertising agency so I was in that world and I started by creating content for them so I I did the images and the copywriting design everything that was um, sort of you know related to that field and so how did it evolve from there So when I got my first local clients, I worked really hard with them. And like I said, I always built my foundation. I I was writing a blog post very regularly, um, everything in English. I started going on podcasts. Um, So I first pitched to a couple of people just saying, you know what? Um, I know social media and I can teach your audience a lot of things regarding social media. So do you want me to come to your podcast? And a couple of them said yes. And that's how I kind of spread my net. And another thing that I did was I followed a bunch of sort of like influencers in my, not exactly my field, but in the technology space and um, content creation and product field. So I followed a bunch of people on Twitter and regularly interacted with them. So what I did is I replied to their tweets. uh, Whenever I had something to say, I retweeted them. So I was constantly in contact with them. And that actually brought me to my first international conference, which was in Virginia. And that was the first conference that I spoke at. So that was kind of big for me. And that's how everything got started. So after that, I got my first international clients. And now I don't even work with local companies anymore. It's been years since I've worked with a Slovenian company. So now all of my clients are international. So China, we have, you know, people from Europe. So Germany, UK, uh, United States, absolutely. I think I even had one from Australia. So uh, yeah, all over the world, to be honest. Wow. Okay. So, so you're sitting there, you're working with your clients locally, you're regularly putting out content, showing that you know what you're talking about, and you're chatting to people on social, you know, on Twitter, for example, who you might want to connect with. But suddenly you're on a stage. I'm just, I'm just working at the leap here. Suddenly you're on a stage in Virginia, giving your first ever talk as well. Like, did you put yourself forward for that talk? Did that like how did that come about? That's a good question because I totally like you said I made that giant leap and I didn't tell you what was happening in between. So one of the people that I followed on Twitter was Brennan Dunn. So there was a lot of talk about him at that time because I followed Amy Hoy as well and they created amazing content. Brennan specifically created a lot of content for freelancers. Um, so he had this, um, online course, an ebook, which, you know, I bought quite a few stuff from him and I interacted with him regularly. And then one day he followed me back. Um, and he, I was kind of one of the first Facebook advertising experts that he got in touch with. And he actually said, you know, in the future, I definitely want to work with you once I get to a point where I want to have a social media strategy. And we talked. So when he followed me, I tweeted still, I tweeted regularly. So he engaged with my content then. And once he started to organize his conference, um, he wanted to have a marketer on the panel as well. And I came to mind because, you know, I was, like I said, always in contact with him. So we were, um, exchanging tweets and so on. And uh, once he was, you know, trying to get that going, uh, he thought of me and he invited me to Virginia. 
Fantastic. Okay, in that case, let's rewind ever so slightly again, because within that, you said about, you know, he was looking at you as a Facebook expert. So at what point did you start to niche? Like, you started off doing all social media type content creation for people. Now, if I look at your website, it is very specifically about Facebook ads. So at what point did you start to narrow that down, realize maybe that's what you wanted to do? So whenever I did general social media strategies, whenever I developed them for my clients, the most powerful network still was Facebook. So they were all very present on Facebook. And the most stuff I did was on Facebook. I did Twitter strategies as well and Instagram. I did Pinterest for a while, but the most powerful one was always Facebook. And a couple of years ago, I got more and more inquiries for Facebook ads specifically. So they didn't want any general social media strategies, but they wanted me to develop their Facebook advertising strategy. Uh, they didn't care about the Facebook page. They published their, uh, themselves every once in a while, but they just wanted me to take care of that part of their marketing. And that's when I saw the demand and decided to narrow down my services and focus on Facebook ads only. And now whenever I get an email asking about, you know, can you do a Facebook page strategy for me? I politely refer them to someone else and tell them that I specifically do Facebook ads now. But that's, you know, all of that came through observing the market and talking to my potential clients and seeing where the needs are. Yeah, no, that's great. So you've you've got the, the statistics to back you up, but you've also, if I went to your website two or three years ago, perhaps, it would have looked very different then. You would have, you would have had a list of services perhaps that you could offer. And it was just realizing that it was that one thing that people always needed help with, that more specialist thing. Yeah. And a lot of content that I, that I created a couple of years ago was, you know, about Twitter updates and Instagram strategies and what hashtags to use on Instagram to generate traction and stuff like that. But then, you know, I started naturally gravitating towards Facebook ads and more and more blog posts were of Facebook ads specifically. And that's when I pretty much decided, you know what, first of all, there is a big need for Facebook ads. So just Facebook advertising. Second of all, most of my audience was interested in that aspect of social media marketing as well. So I just decided to go for it and narrow it down and it worked in my favor. How did it feel when you like flicked that switch and like all of this other stuff disappeared from your website and it was like, this is what I am now. I'm a Facebook ads expert. It was so scary at first. So I had to talk to a couple of people in my mastermind group because at that point I was, I was a member uh, of a mastermind group of international consultants and all of them were niching down and talking about, you know, how good that is for, for your business. But it was very counterintuitive because they were all talking about, yeah, but you'll get more business by niching down. I was like, but it, it doesn't make any sense because I'll, I'll, I'll just be offering Facebook ads. So at that point, it didn't make any sense for me. But I just made a decision to go for it. I really enjoyed Facebook advertising. I saw the potential in it. It was scary, but I took the plunge. And like you said, I hid a lot of blog posts from, from my website. I deleted all the services that I had. And I had to tell to my prospects and I, ha I had to turn them away and send them to a different person if they wanted to do Twitter strategy. So it was scary 
And at first I didn't see the benefits, to be honest. Like the first month it was just horrible because I, I've been getting emails about, you know, can you do a Twitter strategy? Can you do an Instagram strategy for me? Um, but then after a month, it all started going in the right direction because people started to refer to me as a Facebook ads expert, someone that does Facebook ads. So whenever people had the need to a learn about Facebook ads more or B to work with someone who is an expert at that field specifically, they referred to me. And uh, actually my business, I think doubled at that point. And I was like, okay, well now it makes a lot of sense. And now I can see the point of it all. So it doubled. Was that partly as well? Because as an expert, you know, as this is my, the one thing that I do, did you then also put up your rates, for example? I did. I did actually. And I still do it uh, very gradually because I mean, I'm always learning about Facebook ads too. So, um, and discovering new strategies that I can use and I experiment a lot and, um, I can generate great results faster than someone else, for example. So I gradually increase my rates all the time, but at that point, when I relaunched everything, I naturally did that as well. And maybe it was one of the reasons why my business kind of doubled. Um, but I think the major part of it was just, you know, people recognizing me for a very specific niche. And that kind of got them to contact me. So whenever they had a need for Facebook ads, they went to me. So now we've covered that. You're on that stage in Virginia. How long was the talk and and how did that feel? <laughs> I think it was 45 minutes if I'm correct and um it was ha- it was half an hour like of the actual talk and then 50 minutes of Q&A and it was scary. When I got booked for that talk, uh, I I think it was on the same day I got booked for a talk in Czech Republic, which was before that co- but that was an easy one I did. Uh the Virginia one was really scary because I never imagined myself on a stage in the United States talking about Facebook. Uh, so it was quite scary. First of all, English is not my native language. So, um, you know, just having that in my mind was scary enough. And then me talking on stage as a young person, teaching other people that are older than me about Facebook, it was just something that I never imagined will happen. So I was very nervous. It went really, really well. And from there on, I actually got booked through uh, on several, several conferences. And uh, yeah, I just, I've been enjoying that process. So, so now it's like one of the things that you do. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've, last year, I cannot even remember. I think I, I spoke in Texas. I spoke in Vegas and a couple of other places I cannot remember. Wow. How cool is that? Yeah, it's so cool. But like I said, I never imagined I'm going to be here, but it took a lot of practice. It wasn't overnight. So I had to put in a lot of work. I had webinars at that point, for example. So people could see me on a video. So people could see my presence and people could engage with me. And people saw how I behave in front of other people, how I basically teach. So I had to put in a lot of work to come at this point. Yeah. So you mentioned right at the beginning that you started with local companies, but your goal in a few years to be be working with international companies. Is this the point where that started to happen? Yeah, it did. I, first of all, the conferences are great for building your authority 
And that's one of the things that happened. So after my talk, people loved my talk and they came to me asking about, you know, where can we find out more about you? We want to work with you. Um, and that's how I got my first international contacts. We stayed in touch. Um, and that's how I got my first international clients. So it was through building those relationships and networking on these conferences and doing, like I said, webinars and everything else. But I think it was, you know, that point was the crucial one. So me appearing on stage somewhere and generating those great contacts. Yeah. So when you're working with an international client, how does that look like for you? You know, for me sitting here making videos or audio or whatever, I just generally do it all online. I don't, I could do it without leaving the house. How, how does it look for you? I, I, I don't leave my house either. <laughs> <laughs> So that's one of the things that I definitely do not want to sacrifice at this point is my not only work-life balance, but to, I work how I want to, and I want to have my freedom, freedom to choose when I work and how much I work. And I actually do that as long as I achieve the goals that we have. I can work like, I don't know, five hours a day or eight hours a day, or I can take a day off if I want. And that's one of the things that I always wanted to keep in mind. I, I wanted to build my business that way. Uh, and all of my clients realize that and know like all of them are happy. And that's the sort of thing that I want to keep doing. So how do you manage your time and presumably, you know, the time difference as well between you and them? That's one of the things that I had to get used to. So working in the afternoon previously, you know, at the, at the agency, I worked from, I think it was not even nine to five. I think it was more eight to four. And I was used to, you know, waking up, going to the office and then coming back home and being absolutely free, nothing to do. And I had to kind of switch my mindset first to working in the afternoon with international clients. You know, the, um, the client from, from China was, you know, the, the hardest one, um, you know, because with the United States, I work in the afternoon and that was, that was great. But then I had, you know, a client from another continent and I had to rearrange my work again, but it all works really well. Now I cannot imagine working in the morning anymore because, you know, mornings are my kind of free time. I read my books in the mornings. I go to the gym in the morning and then I start working around two or 3 PM. And that's, that's something that I love. And I, I just, I've gotten really used to it. Yeah. So if you're starting work at say 2pm, when does that day finish? And, and is your does your husband work from home as well? Or does he come home and like your your lights a home office? I don't know, or at the kitchen table? Uh, so we have we have a home office. We have two home offices actually because my 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 husband works with international clients too. So he is a freelancer as well, and we have a very interesting relationship. We recently, um, I mean, we're in a house right now, and the house has two offices, two home offices. Each of us has um, its own office because previously we had only one office in our previous apartment, and we had meetings at the same time. So then someone had to go um, down to the kitchen, and it was just. Um, you know, with all the microphones and cameras and everything, it was just hard to arrange everything. Uh, so now uh, we have a house, uh, two offices, and that's that's great. And um, how do I schedule? My, my day usually ends around 8 p.m. So I work from about 2, 3 to 8 p.m. Uh, I'm very, very productive, turn off all of my notifications and really, really work. And I achieve a lot of things in that time. But at 8 p.m., it's, you know, me time again. Uh, I burnt out 
uh, I think in February, I experienced that. So now I have a strict cutoff time of technology at 8 p.m., turn off my phone, turn off my laptop, and I don't know, read my books, um, you know, take my dog for a walk and stuff like that. A lot for dogs. When you say you burnt out, what did that look like for you or feel <sighs> like for you? Yeah, that was... Thankfully, I think I caught it really early. Well, that's an interesting story, actually. Um, I caught it really early. I just, I didn't enjoy work anymore. And like I said, I always wanted to enjoy work. That's one of the things why I decided to go freelancing. That's one of the things why I'm working for myself. I want to enjoy what I do. And that actually stopped around, I think it was January, February, when I I had a workshop in Germany. And that was the last day that I was officially working. And then I went to a holiday because I found out, first of all, I wasn't sleeping. I couldn't sleep. I was nervous all the time. Um, I didn't enjoy my work. Uh, I was really frustrated. I was in a bad mood for weeks and I just couldn't get myself to laugh. And through reading and through talking with a lot of friends, I realized maybe I am burnt out. I had 10 clients at that point. Um, The money side of business was amazing. I was never earning as much as I did at that point, but it just wasn't I wasn't satisfied with myself and with my work-life balance. And I decided to take a week off completely off technology, like no phone, no laptop, nothing. And I took a week off and it was really, really good. And when I looked back, I was like, yeah, now I know what I want to do. uh, And I know what my goals are and I know in which direction I want to move. So first I established, you know, a more work-life balance approach to my life. So I never worked until midnight ever again. And I started cutting off technology and work at about 8 p.m. So that's one of the things that I implemented. The second thing that I realized is while I do enjoy client work, it again, it's not something that I want to keep on doing. So at that point, I decided, you know what? I want to launch a course on Facebook ads on how to do Facebook ads. And recently, I think that was two months ago, I fired most of my clients and did a course and pre-launched a course. Um, And that's one of the things that I realized on my time off. And I think that if you have that experience too. So if you're not satisfied with what you do, if you're just frustrated all the time, there's something wrong. Take a week off because you're going to end up, you know, just learning a lot about yourself and maybe discovering some things that you previously didn't know because you were too busy. And maybe you're going to start moving in a direction that is a better fit for you. Mm. So That course then, though, how much time did you have to put into creating the course, the the classic all the activity that goes into passive income (laughs) situation? Yeah. So one of the the things that I first realized, I tried to juggle between client work and I I had, I think, seven or eight clients at that point. And I had to juggle. I wanted to do a course and it was just frustrating because I didn't have the time to do the course. I always prioritized client work naturally because they are paying me to do the work, to reach results, to, you know, get them an X increase in sales. And I was always prioritizing that over the thing that I really wanted to do. So I think it was the 
end of June or, or maybe mid-June is when I, again, got frustrated again. And I was like, after February, after I burnt out, I wanted to do a course, but like, it's been a couple of months and nothing really happened. I've, I'm just thinking about it. And it took me about 14 days of actively thinking about myself, about what I want to do, about how I want my business to develop further. And I decided on one day, I, I again, took my dog for a walk and I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? Tomorrow I'm firing most of my clients. <laughs> and that happened, I think, mid-June, end of June is where I fired most of them. So I kept two clients on and that's just, you know, for the income to generate while I do the course. But I did my first pre-launch just to kind of validate the idea and it went really well. And now I just, I still have the clients, but now I decided, you know what, um, I'm investing quite a lot of time in this course. So I'm doing this course and then properly launching it once all of the videos are released and, you know, seeing where that takes me. And how much like actual time and effort did it take to, to, to put into doing a course? Now that I'm working with just a couple of clients, I have like two days, I think it was two days a week where I actively do client work. So it's just reserved for clients. So I do nothing course related. And then on other days, Monday, I work half and half. So partially for clients, partially for my course. And then Wednesday and Friday, I work just for the course. I'm not really counting the hours, but it honestly, it takes a lot of work. It is harder than client work because with client work, I appear there, I do my work, it goes well, and that's about it. So in that aspect, it's quite easy. Whereas launching a course, it's a little bit difficult because first of all, you have to have an audience, you have to record the videos, you have to structure the course, you have to name the course, you have to promote the course, you have to do the marketing, you have to do everything by yourself. Uh, and it takes a lot of time, but to be honest, it's the process that I really enjoy. If I had to pick between the easy client work, so to speak, and the more difficult course, I would definitely choose the course because it's the process that I enjoy a lot more than client work. Mm. And who is the audience for that course? Have you been like amassing some sort of email list over these years of blogging or speaking? And Yeah. So I, I've been growing my email list for years now, and I have sort of like two groups on my email list, um, two very distinct groups. The first groups are small business owners that are not yet ready to invest in a Facebook ads expert to get them to help them with the, with the Facebook ads expert of their marketing, but they want to do Facebook ads by themselves and they want to have the best knowledge. So that's, that's the first audience. And then there's the second group of people, which are people like me. So people who do Facebook ads for clients, people who offer these services to other businesses. And I'm actually going to do two courses. The first course is how to do and how to launch a proper professional Facebook advertising strategy that generates positive ROI. And the second course that I'm going to launch hopefully next year is one that's oriented into how to grow a Facebook advertising agency and, you know, the contract side of things, the billing side of things, and, you know, the management side of things. But what, what I did is when I had to decide between these two courses, 
I went with the DIY course first because a lot of those people from the second group, so from the from a lot of the agency owners, still want to update their knowledge somehow, and they were interested in buying the first course too. So I had a larger pool of people willing to buy the course, and that's why I went with that course first. Mm. Now, one thing I haven't touched upon actually is the fact that you know the person they're buying this course from isn't necessarily Moitza, but rather super spicy media, right? So have you always traded a super spicy media when you decided to go freelance? I always did. Yeah. I don't know why. So I have, I have my Facebook page that's called super spicy media. My web page is called super spicy media, but when I market myself on Twitter, uh, I'm still Moitza. So it's kind of the combination of the two. Um, but to be honest, a lot of people, even though I have someone helping me with the client side of things and I have a person, so there's like a team of three people kind of still super spicy media is mainly Moitza people. I, I have developed a very strong personal brand in that aspect um, by communicating as Moitza. When I do a webinar, you know, it's me that it's appearing on the webinar. When I write a blog post, it's me that's writing that blog post. Um, so it's kind of the combination of the two. Yeah, it's interesting. Of course, there's links at beingfreelance.com. Go through, look at uh, Moitz's website, at Super Spicy Media's website, and it's an interesting combination of it's very much you, but it's also a company. Anyway, you can figure it out for yourself. Go go, go take a look. Beingfreelance.com, there's links through to what all of our guests uh, get up to. But you mentioned working with others there, so the we actually is a we. When did you first start to hire other people to help you? Uh, that's a good question. I think I hired my personal assistant three years ago, maybe a little bit more. Uh, and that was kind of the first investment that I really made. And then that was, I think, like I said, three years ago, maybe a little bit more. And then I have the expert that helps me out every once in a while with client work and I think that happened a year ago. So that's about it. Yeah. But like the personal assistant was the first investment that I made and I do not regret it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what else did they help you with? When I tried to get on podcasts, um, now everything happens pretty much organically. So podcast hosts contact me directly. So I don't need to go out and look for podcasts. But when that didn't happen organically, my assistant was, was the one that sort of created a list of podcasts to that I could appear on. And I, and she structured or helped me structure an email to send out. She does things like creating a list of podcasts that I have appeared on just to send out to people. She does. She does a lot of things. She uh, she's now managing my uh, Facebook group as well, so accepting people on there. She's doing a lot of research on my behalf uh, and managing meetings. That's the number one thing. <laughs> That's fantastic. And is is your assistant on like a retainer, or do you? Is it like a per project thing, or? So she works on a per hour basis, and that's what I loved at the beginning because when I hired her, I didn't exactly have quite a large budget to to set aside for a personal assistant it was good for me to have the feeling that you know i can always kind of back off if i need to if you know the money is tight or anything like that so she still works on a per hour basis yeah you touched about a mastermind group earlier 
What did you get out of joining that? Oh, first of all, connections. That was something that I knew I needed to have if I want to create a business that works internationally, not just locally. I have to have good contacts. Um, so good contacts is the first thing. The second one was just a lot of knowledge. Um, I was invited to that mastermind group, actually. And it was a closed mastermind group of, I think it was 10 people. I think now it's maybe 15 people. So a very close group of consultants from different fields. And I, I'm working from Slovenia, so I cannot exactly go out to networking events and meet these people. But those contacts and um, those people actually helped me get into that world. And they gave me some advanced knowledge that, to be honest, hasn't reached Slovenia yet. Um, And that's, you know, when it comes to contracts and the billing and how to increase your prices, for example. And uh, a lot, we talked a lot about copywriting. We talked a lot about sales, about how to manage clients. So like our, our group also, as time went by, it graduated towards products such as courses, eBooks, and they helped me, you know, just get the courage that I needed to launch my first ebook, uh, which was again, four years ago, if not more. Um, so they helped me, like I said, with, um, just getting me that knowledge that I couldn't get anywhere else. Yeah. And that was a paid, a paid thing, was it? Yeah. Uh, it was a paid thing. I think, I think we mainly pay $100 per year and that was a, Definitely a worthy investment. When I was, th- when I was invited to the group, but I was still thinking, you know, should I make that investment? Because I didn't, I knew a couple of people, but not all of them. And the colleague that actually invited me, he said, we are going to give you your money back if the group doesn't pan out in a year. And it paid off completely. I was like, yes, okay. And I kept investing in it. So. Yeah. No, that's great. Wow. Well, I'm glad it's all going so well. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie. So what do you have for me? Okay. So first fact, I bought a house two years ago and made a hole in the wall on the first day while trying to kill a spider because I hate, (laughs) I hate spiders. (laughs) So that's the first fact. The second one, uh, we talked about conferences. And the second fact is I wore a dinosaur onesie on stage at one of the first international conferences I spoke at. And the third one is the day before Christmas, I glued my right eye shut with a <laughs> nail glue and had to go to the ER <laughs> to cut oh it open. <laughs> oh, my God. As in nail, like putting on false nails, would that be? Yeah, nail glue is stronger than super glue. That's that's a yeah. fact. <laughs> Were you putting on false nails so that no. you because you, you thought this will be great for opening presents on Christmas? Uh, I'll put no. on false nails so they go for the paper more, and then you scratched your eye and no, I made a mistake of uh, <laughs> thinking it's an eyedrop bottle. <gasps> so you dropped the glue into your eye? Intentionally, yes. Oh my, okay. Unless, of course, it's not true. You wore a dinosaur onesie on stage. Yes. I mean, that's quite a bold move. Your first conference or one or one of your first conferences. I don't know. We, 
And it was a professional one. So it was, you know, <laughs> business owners, but I appeared in a dinosaur onesie. Oh, I thought you were saying it was a professional dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> I am a professional dinosaur. <laughs> I thought, no, it was a professional, you know, and it wasn't, a, yeah, it's sort of. It was, no, it was a professional conference, but I wore, wore a dinosaur onesie on stage. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking about the quality of the onesie. <laughs> oh, it wasn't just from Primark. This was a high quality thing. What? Why? Um, for fun. I don't know. One of the things, I, I, uh, I love onesies in general. Mm. Uh, I have a couple of them at home. And uh, this is the one that I chose just, you know, to wear on stage, have fun a little bit. And then what did you hit the spider with in order to make a hole in your house? I don't, I don't know how that's called in English, but you know, like the, the hat. The hammer that has actually, it, it like, it's like a rubber hammer. It has rubber at the end. I don't know if, there, if there's a special term for it. So I thought the, it was a little bit softer than it actually was. <laughs> and I just got frightened. I didn't want to, you know, the, spray the thing on the wall uh, to kill the spider because I didn't want to leave a mark. <laughs> Turns out, <laughs> you know, there was a bigger mark. <laughs> And you effectively hit it with a mallet. Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe that's how it's called. <laughs> so, so, but, okay, we're talking about a fairly hefty hammer, but because it was rubber tipped, you thought... Yes, yeah. Gentle, gentle, a nice way to die. Yeah, and it, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a very firm wall either. Well, apparently not. Um, okay, <laughs> well, okay, I believe the house spider one. Dinosaur conference, maybe... I mean, I was thinking maybe you were making a reference about dinosaurs were people who didn't advertise on Facebook and it was going to be some sort of convoluted message but you didn't say that you just said it was for the heck of it but it would make you stand out for sure ER I mean would that look like eye drops or not okay I don't think you wore a dinosaur onesie on stage I did ah! <laughs> I did and I have a video of it <laughs> In that case, you didn't glue your eyes shut. I did. Oh, my God. It was a spider. It's a oh. spider. Totally had me. The spider one, that, that's the fake one. <laughs> <laughs> Although that could happen. I really hate spiders, but it never happened. I usually spray them or hit them with a slipper. <laughs> never happened. Excellent. Well, well done. You totally had me now. I hope your eyes are okay. <laughs> okay but they literally had to cut it open and i was Jeez. they had to cut all of my eyelashes off <sighs> <laughs> so it was quite scary but the only thing i really regret is not recording the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> now if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance what would that be i wouldn't consider having a regular job at all if i could talk to my younger self uh, maybe that's not the best advice, but I would say just, you know, skip college. You don't need it. Um, <laughs> skip the regular job and just go freelancing right away. Um, it's going to be a lot of hard work, but it's going to pay off and you're going to enjoy the process a lot more than the regular nine job. For real, though. So you, you don't think you learned anything or took anything from that time in the advertising agency? Absolutely nothing. And wow. I studied, I studied, I think it. I think like the translation is media communications. So we talked like me, we talked about media production because I wanted to be a journalist. We talked about media production. We talked about advertising too, design, copywriting, everything. And all of the things that I learned that I use now, I've learned everything from the internet. 
No, but so, okay. So you didn't learn that from college. But what about your time in the advertising agency? Did you learn anything from there? How not to run a business. <laughs> That could have been useful. <laughs> that was absolutely useful. <laughs> so that is the number one thing that I uh, that I took out of that experience. <laughs> and when you were pitching yourself to those first clients, you know, you had that 100 list, you were cold calling, cold emailing. Were you referencing the fact that, you know, you had this experience of working at an advertising agency? I don't, th I don't think I mentioned that. Wow, okay. Because I didn't want to. The one thing that I did, though, is I had a personal blog at that point and the day I got fired I wrote this lengthy blog post talking about you know how that was totally stupid that I got fired because everything is moving into a digital world and how I, I haven't gotten the respect that I wanted and that I deserved and I wrote a blog post about that and it went viral in a positive way in, in Slovenia and people started contacting me just applauding me like yeah like, like young people aren't cherished as they should be but you know because you bring um, something else to the table so that happened and the agency that I worked for actually does not exist anymore <laughs> Well, well. Well, we're glad that Super Spicy Media does and what you're doing, Moitza. Uh, do check out what Moitza's up to. Uh, go to beingfreelance.com. There are links through it as ever, as there are for all of our guests. And, you know, if you're interested in what she's doing with uh, Facebook ads as well, of course, is the, the book and uh, and the course and, and things as well. But it's also interesting just seeing how she positions herself in such a tight niche, I think. Lots to take from there if that sort of appeals to you and, you know, like doing corporate workshops and all sorts of things do take a look at our website links at beingfreelance.com but Moitsev thank you very much our first Slovenian guest as well so send our love to uh, Slovenia and all the best being freelance thank you 